Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Literacy Podcast. We are thrilled to have you here today because we are going to talk with some folks who are working on a literacy documentary. And Melissa, I don't know about you, but I feel like this is something I've dreamed of for a long time. So I'm happy that they're executing yeah. my dreams. We actually talked, <laughs> we, we talked about this. We, we thought maybe we could do it, but I think that we have the right people who are, who are taking on this task. But yeah, when we found out that there's a documentary being made about some of the things that we talk about all the time on our podcast, I mean, we're just, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to watch it. I know it's not, it's not ready yet, but I'm ready. I know, I, <laughs> yes, we, we want it on like the Netflix top 10 list so that all of the parents and teachers and everyone can, I, and I don't even know if it's going to be on Netflix, but I'm hoping it is. So we're going to hear from the team today and learn a whole lot about it. So welcome, uh, Nora, John, and Nick. Welcome to the podcast. How are welcome. you? Good. Thanks Great. for having us. Thank you. Yeah. So if you all wouldn't mind, we'd love to just hear a little bit about each of you and your background and what brought you to this project. And uh, just tell us about yourselves before we launch into lots of great questions about the literacy documentary itself. So I'm going to start with Nora because she's right to my left and I have met her before. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm Nora Shabazi. I'm the founder of EVLI, which stands for Evidence-Based Literacy Instruction. It's a comprehensive system of teacher training and student instruction. But my part in the documentary is I am a volunteer consultant, actually. And (laughs) what I am doing is um, a lot of the background information, getting that to Nick and the documentary team, um, inviting people who are coming on um, from researchers to parents to everybody in between uh, and finding, you know, what we can to make the job easier for um, Nick and his team. So it's very exciting. Also joining in on um, traveling around the country and a lot of the interviews. So that's been really exciting and eye-opening too. Yeah, that sounds, I bet. sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> it has been. I, I think you I think you have a really fun part in this, Nora, and an and especially impactful part too that, you know, you can pull all of the research and all of the great, I don't know, like things, articles that are like currently coming out, right? To really help support the need for this documentary. So yeah, thank you for what is, you're doing. Is there so much and trying to keep it streamlined enough so that Nick and everybody, they don't like blah, run screaming from, yeah. from all of it. So yeah, it's been a, very exciting and it's really an honor to do this for sure. Yeah, That's great. great. Nick, I imagine um, you may not have known anything about the literacy world before you joined. So I, I love to hear your background next. And then John will, we didn't forget about you, John. <laughs> you, you, you can't forget about John. John is, is, no. is the reason. Uh, so it's funny. I, I got an email from John saying, you know, uh, our mutual friend, Jack Canfield said, I should speak with you about a documentary. And I love Jack Canfield, a great guy. And, and I, thought he was referring a friend over. So I said, okay, cool. Nate, you know, what do you, what do you want to do a documentary about? And John said about literacy and my story. And, and I did what I, I feel like I have to do more often than not now is sort of like, Oh, that sounds really interesting, but I'm super busy. And so, and part of it is part of it is honestly to see how interested somebody really is mm-hmm. because I've, there's been so many things in my life that I've found that 
I, if I'm more into it than you are, this is not going to work. And yeah. so I was like, Oh, I'm super busy. It's, and, and then I got the email that I was sort of hoping for back from John, like, no, I don't think you understand. <laughs> this is really important. It's a big topic. I was like, okay, let's engage. And so since then, I don't know how long that was now, maybe nine months ago. It, it feels like, feels like 10 years in a great way, as much as I've gotten to know uh, John and Nora and this topic. And it's, it's such a crazy thing that, the world is not talking about this. I mean, you know, I'm a, a dad of three kids. I've got a 16 year old, a 13 year old, and one that turns 10 this month. You know, thankfully, I think like most, like most of the world, it seems like most of the world, most of the world of people that I know, because it certainly there seems to be discrepancy in you know more affluent schools than there are in schools of color and all these other things I'm learning as well, which are not shocking once you dig into them, but sort of in my little world, sort of everybody learned to read. You know, my three kids learned to read. Just you know, we worked with them as kids, and they went to school, and they were fine. And you know, I have some friends, and you know, uh, they got some remediation for some of their kids. And so, but I actually, you know, from the moment I posted, I was working on this documentary. I had. Um, uh, one of my, one of my son's friends, parents reach out and say, Hey, we're really struggling with this. Um, could, you know, if you find anything, let us know. And Aww. the more I post about this stuff, the more mm -hmm. I get these little messages. And I realize, like, as a parent who has not dealt with anything disastrous, hasn't, you know, I don't want to over dramatize it, but you know, my, my oldest has, has ADHD, which if you know me at all is no shocker. Uh, and so, um, you know, but when we were really going through sort of the early years of kindergarten, first grade, second grade, where, you know, from about kindergarten, they pulled us aside and said, Hey, you know, he might have an auditory processing thing. And we're like, well, what is that? First of all, I've never heard of this. And, you know, and then being like dad versus mom in a great way, like, he'll be fine. It was like, I think he really needs help, you know? And so <laughs> like that sort of normal thing. And it's like, but when you're in these like private hells, right. These little moments of where you don't know what's right. You don't know what to do. Yeah. You have plenty of people around you just saying it all works out in the end. And for the it does for most people. It really does. That's the good news. But it's like there's these moments and these these long moments of uh, of just pain for parents when you're trying to figure out what is the right thing for my kid. There's snake oil salesmen everywhere. There's psychiatrists everywhere. There's psychologists everywhere. There's school counselors everywhere. And you really just don't know who to trust. And then you got some parent over here who's saying, no, everyone is wrong. I got this thing that really worked for my kid. And everyone means well. There's nobody who's like trying to screw over your kid. But it is so confusing. And so to me, what's fascinating about this topic is that there's so much I don't know. There's so much I'm learning as I go. There's so much that comes out every day. Like that's the hardest part. Nora was saying like, like every week, Nora sends like 20 new articles, which is great. It's just I like, know. <laughs> like the doc can't ever end. I mean, if we had a never ending budget, I would just like make part 12 right now because we probably have enough for that and then move to 13 next week. But so it's, it's a really big topic, a really important topic. And I'm super thankful that, you know, John has dedicated his life to it uh, and that Nora, you know, is, is helping us figure out a way to connect with everybody. So I talked too much, but that was that's sort of my journey in, in, this, in this deal. And Nick, just for our audience, can you tell, like, what do you do on a daily, like, what's your, what's your job? 
<laughs> oh man. Uh, I, I, now I make documentary Well, I raise my children. I try to be a good husband and I, I make documentaries and I write country music. That's pretty much Super what cool. I do. <laughs> I want to be cool. friends with you just from that bio. Just saying. So you know. <laughs> right, cool. You're in, you're in. It's very cool. easy. Country music is my jam and I love documentaries. So I feel like, uh, I have lots of questions and ideas for you. <laughs> Game on. Awesome. All right, John. John, you yes. made this happen. Well, I didn't make it happen. We're just making it happen. And, and uh, <laughs> like um, Lori said, uh, she had a dream to do a bio. And, uh, and my uh, literacy experience goes back 75 years uh, mm-hmm. before you guys were born. I was dreaming about getting, how do I get out of the dumb row? And how did I get into the dumb row? And uh, uh, I was a, a little boy uh, with high hopes when I went to school at uh, six. And I ended up in the dumb row. Uh, and today we call it special ed or uh, learning disability uh, classes, remediation classes. Um, and that's where I started. And I finally uh, got out. And at the age of 48, I learned, started learning how to read. Graduated from college uh, without knowing how to read, reading about the second grade level. Graduated from high school, never failed a course. Uh, so it's a long story. Uh, and yeah. I've had an opportunity to tell the story, but I always felt like once I learned to read, I wanted to tell the world about my secret. I guarded my secret for 48 years. Uh, and uh, uh, I wanted to share the world, the story, the good news that, you know, it's never too late to learn to read and we can and my brain isn't broken and I'm not dumb. And where are you, second grade teacher? You shouldn't have never put me in that dumb row. I didn't belong there. And all those crazy things that went through my have gone through my head. Uh, But uh, having the uh, having the opportunity to show that tell a a human interest story, teacher who couldn't read, millionaire that couldn't read. Uh, Those were the headlines when when the story broke. And I used my human uh, interest story to open doors. What I really wanted to do, it was one thing to tell a story and get people to feel the story and and know that there's a, to solve any problem, you have to articulate the problem. So, so I worked on articulating the problem through my own personal experience. And that was my credibility. I wasn't an academic. I wasn't an intellect or a researcher, uh, but uh, I, I did have the passion. And uh, uh, I guess the the opportunity, though, not only did I dream about this uh, uh, documentary, I prayed about this documentary before I even knew what I was praying for. I prayed uh, when I was eight years old, uh, please, Lord, let me get out of the dumb row tomorrow when it's my turn to read. Let me read. And and I think. Uh, repeating the story. I feel like a country singer, you know, when you have a popular song and you, you, you have new songs and you want to sing them and your fans <laughs> want you to play the same one. Uh, and I got tired of my same one, you know? Yeah. And, I, and so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's evolved there, but getting to, uh, to discover Nick and for Nick to be a, uh, be there waiting for, uh, waiting for, my prayer to be answered 
and uh, you can you you can see we're all all five of us here right now. We're we love literacy, and once you get bit by this bug, outsiders don't really understand uh, you know our passion, but it's a passion uh, to. To, for me now, it's not my story. It's not the little boy that was in the dumb row, or the, or the angry teenager, or the teacher who couldn't read. It's not that anymore. It's the millions of children that are trapped right now in their uh, uh, their illiteracy or subliteracy, and so that's the that's the great responsibility that we have right now in doing this documentary, and we are doing the research, uh, and we have. Uh, we have the credibility, I believe, uh, uh, in asking the experts across the nation. Nor's been writing to them. I've been talking to them. And uh, uh, I don't think I would, uh, well, I know, I wouldn't have even attempted it without Nor. And, and I think Nick is pretty uh, impressed with the amount of research that, uh, that Nor has done also. And with that, we've all done. And people have signed on. Uh, from from Harvard to uh, the classroom to parents, and uh, we have a horrendous uh, and a great responsibility here to uh, get this documentary right. And from the beginning, I think all three of us talked about producing something uh, that uh, that's never been done before, uh, and we want to try to change the conversation. And for me, I like to see some. I like to see. Uh, uh, it's one thing to identify the problem. We know the problem. It's ancient problem. Uh, and it's certainly been here all, all of my life. And uh, uh, I would like to see us focus a little bit more on results. And I think that we've talked about it's perfect timing for this documentary. Uh, uh, we're all waking up in a, a way in terms of how many children aren't getting it. Mm -hmm. And and I think uh, the key, it's been there for a long time. I, I was looking at some old videos yesterday of myself trying to kind of get myself psyched up for this, uh, this uh, <laughs> podcast. And I discovered I was saying some things 25 years ago that I've been saying for 25 years. I thought I just <laughs> said it yesterday, you know, and, I, and I've been thinking about that. And and the key to my uh my success in learning how to read was proper instruction and proper instruction came from a pro properly prepared uh, teacher. And it, mm -hmm. I, I was fortunate enough to have a uh, Pat Lindemood. I don't know if you oh, folks yeah. know about Pat Lindemood. <laughs> Pat <laughs> yeah. Lindemood uh, was uh, really the pioneer uh, in, uh, in what I needed. I had a severe auditory discrimination problem and a and hundred hours with her at her clinic took me from the second grade word attack, nonsense word attack skills to the uh, 12th grade level. So it was like an explosion. And uh, uh, so one of the things I kept asking her is, can, is this just for me or can everybody have it? <laughs> you know, can we teach the world to read? And that's, uh, I'm, I met Nora. Nora and I have been talking for 12 years. Mm. And sometimes oh uh, we have to, uh, you, the two of you are probably do the same thing sometimes. You have to lift one another up because why can't they get it? Why can't <laughs> why can't the big people get it? Why why we can't do we have that conversation? <laughs> we go to the moon 
and we leave uh, cameras on Mars and send pictures back, and mm-hmm. we can't teach teach our children how to read, read. write, and spell. And uh, it is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut myself off so we can. <laughs> but uh, it, there there's no need, no way anybody, uh, including John Corker, no matter how smart or clever you are. You can't maximize your fullest potential without the basic uh, reading and writing skills. And uh, you really, there's no way you can succeed in school. And education, we talk about education. America's beating the drum for education. Let's talk about the foundation of education. Let's talk about reading and writing skills. And if you don't get it by the third grade, you can't, you can't succeed in the classroom or in the workplace. Yeah. And I'll let you guys say uh, <laughs> yourself. Because I know you all have a passion now. Yeah. That's what's you know. really, that's what's really so sweet about <laughs> me having this opportunity and those people that we we're gonna have on the, in this documentary that, that Nick's gonna be uh, interviewing. And it, and we've already started. How many inter- interviews have we done already, Nick? Uh, 50? I don't know. Wow. Not quite 30, Nick, but it probably feels like 50. (laughs) I I think we have some crossover, uh, too. We have some, we've had some guests on our podcast who you're also including in your documentary, uh, right? Okay, good. Yeah. Nora, do you, do you, I know you've had um, Emily Hanford and Natalie Wexler. Are mm-hmm. there any other ones? I When I looked through the list, I wasn't sure. Oh, gosh, you do have, you know, you put me on the spot. I wasn't ready for that question. But <laughs> no, have, Tim Shanahan, you guys have had him, right? Oh, yeah, Shanahan, um, yes. Tim Shanahan, yes, yes. and um, i trying to think. Did you have um, Nadine Gab? No, not yet, but no, Melissa's <laughs> taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean the, the great part is that it, it is the same, not the same conversation, but it's it's the same, like John said, you've been saying the same thing for a long time. And we feel like sometimes our conversations are like, okay, the same thing over and over again. And how do we make it fresh and new so that there's a new take on it? But it's not really a new concept. It's just a new way to approach the conversation or the concept because the concept is what it is. <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll, I'll sell you Nora's interview list for like, you know, you want, that's all you need for your podcast for the next 40 right? years. You <laughs> Julie Washington. See, I have you. Julie Washington. I don't know if you had. I love Julie you. Washington. Maria Murray. My list. I, did you have Maria? I noticed that you had Laura, but I don't know if you had Maria Murray, the founder of oh, the yeah. Reading League. Um, yes, they sent the us. They sent us Laura, which we were super excited for. Yeah, she was. Awesome. She was wonderful. Yeah, we, we <laughs> haven't. We've been telling the story and sharing the information and sharing the good news about the science. There's a science to this, you know, and yeah. we've got it. If we've done anything right in the last 25 years, we've got the science, and we're ready to implement that. And yeah. that's that's a challenge for us to bring the awareness and then the action. And then the results, we're leaving out the results all the time. You know, uh, did we have a problem? Yeah, it's quite obvious we have a problem when half our, our uh, students are reading at uh, below their potential. Uh, and I, I think that uh, I think the other thing is that we've said it, but we know we haven't reached a lot of people in the education uh, at the university level that teach yeah. teachers. We haven't even, they're still sleeping. Yeah. That's yes. so funny. And, I, yeah. 
Sorry, Lori. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was on the um, when, this Facebook group that we always talk about that talks about the science of reading, and they always are bringing like someone's always like, "Let's talk about this new science that's out." And there's mm-hmm. always someone that responds like, "This isn't new science. <laughs> like this has been around. You guys are like, we're just hearing about it." But I actually just saw something today which really struck me, which says. Um, the praxis, praxis exam that reading specialists have to take to become certified. Everyone was talking about this, that like, like this is not, it's, it's balanced literacy. It's, it's the old way. It's, and this is the test that certifies reading specialists to help <laughs> students who are struggling readers. Um, yeah. And I was just kind of floored by that. That's kind of what you were saying, John, is like, not everyone is caught up. <laughs> what, one of my dreams for certification would be for uh, anybody that got a teaching credential would have to have taught a child, a teenager, an adult how to read. Hundred percent. They got their credential, <laughs> and um, we'd have to we'd have to find some college instructors that know how to do that also to teach those uh, those people. But we've got it. We've got it here. That's the exciting piece of it. There is a, there is That's a the solution. Uh, yeah, and uh, there's a lot of interruptions and there's a lot of distractions. But but, you know, I, I can remember my teacher telling me to focus. You know, I'm looking out the window for the good stuff <laughs> and uh, focus, focus. And here I am now telling them, hey, focus, focus on reading. You know, I the best part I think that I've seen <laughs> is that there's nobody who's who means poorly in this. I, now, I haven't interviewed anybody at a major book publishing company because it does seem to be that there's I don't think it's um I, you know I don't I don't want to pass any judgment there we've all we've <laughs> all been in business had families to feed I don't think anyone's walking into a major publishing company going we're going to publish stuff today that that fails kids across the country however yeah. there seem to be some culprits there or either that or it's an easy blame because Everyone blames them. So I, I, I don't know yet as a as a filmmaker, I'm trying to find the truth because I'm interested mm-hmm. because I, I think all of us, if we found the answer, even if it was what we not what we thought it was, we'd be happy. And that's great. So, you know, but I haven't found anyone who doesn't mean well. It's just really interesting, though, how sort of out of date a lot of things really seem to be. And then you're you're also talking about like, let's talk about the educational institution. Like, OK, so right now we're focused on on literacy, which is a major cornerstone of it. But then once you get past the fluency of that, it's just sort of, you take a, you know, I don't know, you, you take a 10th grade AP class maybe in literature, but other than that, you're just sort of reading along the way. Right. And it's like, there's so much else that's broken too. And you talk about these systems that were invented, you know, just in different day and a different time. And it's just going to be, you know, I think that, I think the pandemic actually one of the best results of the pandemic is it showed so many of us in so many fields, like what maybe what was, wasn't necessary, what was an old way, what was just a habit, what do we not need to do anymore? And so I'm hopeful that this entire assembly line industrial revolution educational system can be broken down at some point too. However, I would say all the rest of it, I think is so much less 
don't say so much less important. That's probably way generalization. But if you can't learn to read, <laughs> you're pretty screwed. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. you know, Nora, I saw Nora teach a 60 something year old man how to read in like five or seven days, whatever it was. And you literally saw the guy become a different human being. I mean, he from the moment I met him, uh, he was super anxious, nervous. And I and I get that. But what I started realizing is what a big what a big moment it was for him because he even was nervous. Like, what if I can learn to read? What if the story I've been telling myself my whole life isn't true? What if I learned to read and now I can no longer use it as an excuse to not achieve greater things in life? What's my new place in life? Like, and, but what was fascinating from the, the first night we had dinner, you know, he kept saying, well, you know, my brain's broken. My, and I, I literally had to stop at one moment. I'm like, man, you're a really bright guy. You got to stop telling yourself this because this self-talk yeah. is not helping anyone and and at worst it's sounding like rhetoric so you just gotta stop like we believe in you just let Nora do her thing and then we'll talk at the end of the thing and like day by day by day you literally saw this man's anxiety go away mm. like you saw it like his his physical manifestations of twitchiness jitteriness uncertainty it just it was like a different human being and I'm like this poor man had to live this way, what, 50 something years longer than he should have, because something along the way, people, systems, whatever it was, failed him. And I think most importantly to all of us, none of us want that. And, and John went through that, obviously, too. And I think what says everything you need to know about John is he goes, is this just for me or can everyone else have this too? Like from the moment he figured it out, he's like, yeah. I want to go get all the other kids from the dumb row. Come with me. You know? And it's like, yeah. that's really what the goal of this thing is, is to, is to show people that, that there, there is a way. And I, I think one of the ways John sucked me into this is, uh, you know, I, and we all have these moments. Like it's not a, it's not a, a thing that's just me. Like I remember the third, the day in third grade, we were doing multiplication tables and I thought at some point, they would just make sense. This is how not smart I am. I thought you didn't have to just memorize these. Like I was a little bit lazy with multiplication. I thought, you know, at some point, this is just going to make sense. So I didn't memorize them. And, uh, and so the teacher called on me and I didn't know the answer because it didn't make sense. And she said, you know, Nick, you're so stupid. Like, and I, I remember that day in that moment and the way I felt, and I think I've processed it now, you know, 30, however many years later, because I'm still not that good at math. And so, but like she made me, by the way, have a disdain for math after that. Um, yeah. I realize now, like thinking as an adult, she probably was just having a bad day, but it probably drove me in life. I might need to thank her, probably drove me in life <laughs> to prove to the world I'm not stupid. Right. But, you know, we all have these moments in life that sort of define these these stories, the story we tell ourselves. And I would hate to think that there's, and I know there's millions of people out there that were like John or like David, who've been telling themselves this lie for decades and, and what it, what it's ruining in their lives and not allowing them to experience. Um, I, I believe every sword cuts both ways. So I'm sure it, I'm sure it must provide a richness that maybe I can't understand in some way, or it provides a heart that John has to like make sure when he got his turn that he's going to the ends of the earth where someone who it came easy to it just writes it off. So we'll, we'll say there's a blessing in it, but it's just crazy to, to think how many, how many people are being in every element of 
of education are being left behind because there's one way that's supposed to work. And we all know that it just doesn't like every kid is different. I was fooled into thinking I didn't like learning. I literally like three weeks ago, I realized this again, not that smart. I'm like, you know what? I really like to learn because if you would ask me, do you like to learn? I'd be like, heck no, I don't like learning. Cause to me, learning is sitting in the classroom for eight hours a day, listening to someone squawk on in the front of the room. And like, John, I'm looking for the good stuff out the window. Or I was passing notes to girl. Like I was trying to find life, <laughs> you know? And so there we can do better. And I think that's the whole point of this documentary that I'm trying to get across is I, I'm really not, you know, we'll see how it all plays out, but we're not, I don't think blame is going to help anybody. I think we all would agree with this. It's just like, mm -hmm. but we can do better. Like, can we just all just agree we can do better? And yeah. if we can agree to that, if that's like step one, if that's agreement number one, all right, what is, what is agreement number two going to be? And can I get you to agreement three or four or five? And it's going to take a decade. It's going to take way longer than we think it should be. But hopefully with things like this, at least a parent who's struggling or a teacher who's struggling to teach certain kids. Like I've interviewed so many teachers who are like, once I figured it out, this big secret, I was so yeah. pissed off. They were like, I no, know. like this is too. so <laughs> angering that I, I wasn't given the tools. And so there's so many people trying to do the right thing. And I'm, I just think there's so many people who've been left in the dark and I'm just really hopeful that we get as much of a percentage of those people to realize like there is a better way we can do more. And here's, here's some solutions. And there's multiple solutions, by the way, there's a bunch of different programs. There's a bunch of different things that do work and just find the thing that works for your kid. Don't, don't be hopeless and don't buy the lie that your kid's never going to have, you know, more than a sanitary engineer or whatever you call it these days. Right. Like there, there's more that you can have. Yeah. I, I'd like to see the reading wars come to an end. Also, uh, yeah, I love I love uh, Nick's testimony, the discovery, and I've always I've I've always felt that literate people really don't understand the impact that it has on a human being, and the impact that it has on the nation because of those human beings and the, and adults just like uh, David uh, you were speaking to uh, about. Uh, uh, I bought into the big lie. That's what happens to us. We buy into the big lie and we mm -hmm. see ourselves as my mother and father told me I was a, a winner for the first six years of my life. I went off to school just to learn how to read and be as smart as my parents told me I was. And by the time I'm, I'm eight years old, I'm a loser in this system. So it's heavy. And, and I think that I think that adults also uh we're suspended in our childhood, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, academically, and spiritually in a, a lot of different levels. So after we get the proper instruction, we've got to go through uh, uh, we've got to go through a healing process. Uh, and we we are we're we're survivors, but we've been scarred, and and we have to deal with that. And I think that was when you were speaking. Uh, to uh, David at dinner that night, uh, Nick, you were just, I'm, hey, you're a human, you're okay. I'm, this is human to human. And we, we, we almost see ourselves as subhuman. We are outsiders. We really, yeah. by the time we get to about the third or fourth grade, we can't perform. We can't, we can't, we don't know the language. And the classroom, in the classroom, in the schoolhouse, the dominant language is the written word, and we don't know it. 
It's like yeah. it's like Chinese to us. Yeah. So how can we? How can and I, I think about I think about how I disrupted other people's education because by the time I was in the fifth or sixth grade, I had I was tired of being the the good boy, and I was mad and sad. And I had fights in the classroom and I try, I took over a lot of classrooms. I made teachers cry and they made me cry. And sometimes people, I hear people say, well, kids with learning disabilities, uh, they have uh, emotional problems and they have, uh, they have behavioral problems. I say, teach us how to read and we won't be so crazy. <laughs> Just teach us how to read. And that's, that's really the focus. And people ask, well, where was where was my where were my parents? Well, they they went to school and they had the conferences and the teachers told they said Johnny's a smart little boy in, in elementary school. He's smart. He he's just a, he's just a little behind in reading, but he'll get it. That story was told a thousand one times. It's been told for for eighty years now in the schools. And teachers are still and, and administrators and counselors are still saying that. Mm-hmm. And so. I said we're uh, we were sleeping, but we also we also are in denial. And the other thing that I love about Mike or, or Nick is that that he's not a blamer. He is seeking the truth, and uh, mm-hmm. that's what uh, Nora and I are doing too. That's what you two are doing. That's what this program is about. Is we're seeking the truth together without blaming one another. Uh, but I do. I don't take. I I got to admit. I. I'm not interested in any more excuses. I've heard them all. Uh, And it's time for us to break this cycle that's crippling the nation and schools. Uh, We call for for improving our schools. Well, focus on the foundation. That's what holds it up is is reading. And and I don't see any headlines uh, where it's not sexy. It's not, uh, it's, it's not. Now. And yeah. also the challenge, our challenge, the reality of it, it's like watching <laughs> grass grow. You know, uh, I had some, I had some uh, in work in progress uh, uh, films with uh, Pat Lindemood, you know, and I, I was so anxious to show my friends, you know, as I, as we were reading, you know, I got it. I got it. And this is Pat working with me. And they said it was, they said it was boring. Is the most exciting experience I ever had in my life. So, so those are those are some of the challenges that we have in, in selling yeah. this, uh, this thing. But, John, I think that that's what some of you know when when people learn about the science of reading, they're like, "Well, kids are going to be bored, you know, studying the same topic and and building all this knowledge on the same topic over a long period of time, and and you know, learning the foundational skills explicitly." Um, in a direct way, every single day, repeated over and over. But it's, I, I have yet to meet a child who's bored by that. And when we think about the impact of not doing those things, like you spoke about, um, I was listening to a, a podcast where Oprah was being interviewed and she shared a sentence that made me think so profoundly about literacy and and what you just spoke about in terms of your childhood experiences dictate your path as an adult and how you bring those experiences into adulthood. And I'm really curious to know, and I think this is a question for Nora, the negative self-talk that the uh, adults that you work with and and who are bringing this negative self-talk from 
childhood um, because of their lack of ability to read and, and really their lack of ability their lack of being taught to read, I want to say, yeah. not their ability. Yeah. So their lack of being taught to read. Um, I want to be really intentional there. I want to know, um, have you, how has that self-talk, like, has that self-talk all been the same? Has it been different? Um, like, is it always negative? Are they, when they learn to read, what does that transformation look like? And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because I know in your documentary, you're going to, to show a little bit about uh, teaching someone to read and teaching an adult to read. And, and I think, uh, John, you mentioned David, his name is David. Yeah. Yes. Um, what I would say is that mostly what we do is we teach teachers, ideally classroom teachers, so that we can put the fence up and we don't have Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall, as opposed to all the ambulances trying to put Humpty Dumpty together. Ideally, yeah. classroom instruction, <laughs> tier one, we teach them right in the first place. We do not have the Davids and the John Corcoran's. That's the number one thing. Some need yeah. some you know, repetition, put them in tier two and three to give them more error corrections and such. But So we do mostly focus on classroom teachers and coaching there, but I also have a reading center where kids walk through our door, multiple kids every single day and adults who are traumatized from the age of five and six. I mean, kids with ulcers, kids on medication, because they are so, this is what they think of themselves. I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm broken, and I can't. There's something wrong with me. It never occurs to them that the instruction that I've been given has caused a lot of my problems or has prevented me from being able to become a reader. So it depends. John was just telling me a story yesterday. His his uh, daughter it does Ebley, and, and she was teaching a 10-year-old in Los Angeles public schools is where this child was from. And she just in the first two hours, she's like, oh, my gosh, why didn't anybody teach me this? This actually makes sense. And I, I can get how it goes. Like David was just like, I get now how there's a joy of reading. When anybody would say a joy of reading, I wanted to punch them. Like, what do you mean a joy? This is torture. So that self-talk is very common. It's almost... Um, you know, it is universal, really, across everybody that comes. Then, like the 10-year-old, there's this thinking of like, wait a minute, if I could learn this now at 48 with John or 62 with David or 10 years old, why didn't I learn this at five or six? The only reason they didn't learn it at five or six is because they weren't taught it. And what they were taught not only didn't work, but a lot of times caused more difficulties and challenges. And so they can't get to that joy of reading. They can't, you know, it is so across the board. And the interesting thing, and John was actually the one that helped me realize this, probably 10 years ago or so, a teacher I trained had written a book about her experience. And I asked, she sent me a chapter, I asked John to read it. And John said, you know, I was reading out loud to Kathy, his wife in the kitchen, and I stopped in the middle of it. Now, this is how many years, I don't know, 20 some years after he learned to read. And he's like, wow, I'm a good reader. It didn't occur to him that he was a good reader until all these, this is what we see all the time. These kids know they see, it doesn't matter that they, nobody tells them that you are dumb or stupid or you can't read. They get that. They see that. They think that they're the only one. The interesting thing one day is we had two kids come, one leaving the classroom and one or the center and one coming in and a nearby, you know, maybe 20 minutes away school district. The one kid, the mom said, the teacher said she's never had any kid that has the struggle. She's never seen this before. Walking out, they come across one of his ha his classmates coming in who the mom, this teacher had told the mom the exact same thing. I don't know what the problem is. It's your kid's problem. I don't know why they're you know not reading. So the we do not understand that what happens in kindergarten and first grade and third grade results in all of us being impacted by this horrific travesty of now we have a whole lot of people. The jails are full of, of subliterate and illiterate people. Our 
you know, we've got, you know, uh, not only multimillionaire David and of course, John, and then we have a cardiovascular surgeon, Nick is going to be entering. There is all kinds of people in every single person's world every person's world who is struggling significantly. And as they get older, once they get to middle school and high school, as John said, you want to see who the struggling readers are, the ones who are the behavior problems, the ones who are the class clowns, or in, when they get to be adults, they've perfected how to hide. You have no idea the trauma that's going on with, with two thirds of the people in your world because of this exact situation. I had a discussion last night. I was out at dinner with like eight people. Well, you know, I graduated from University of Michigan, but I'm dyslexic and I, well, I can read well, but I can't comprehend. This is a principal, by the way, retired principal. I, you know, and it was just like, this is so interesting, the stories that, and I said, well, you, if you can't comprehend, you really are not a good reader. That's just the, the fact that you can become one in really just a few hours, quite frankly, but you're not. And so how's that impacting your life? You're a principal, for goodness sakes. You have to read stuff five times to be able to understand it. That is not okay. We have the answers. You know, the title of this documentary is The Truth About Reading. Let's talk about the two. Let's be honest on every side of the reading words and in between. Let's be honest about what's truly going on. We do not have anywhere near 95 to 100 percent of our, our kids and adults proficient at reading. We have about 34. So and, and then people get 50 and they're like, Woohoo, we're at 50 percent. Don't celebrate. I mean, let's right. celebrate that you're let's making progress. But until you get to 95 to 100 yeah. percent, you cannot have high quality instruction or curriculum with all this great content if you can't read the words on the page. My kids, I took them out of a white collar professional suburban school district and put them in a district in Flint that was a um, uh, charter school that was teaching back in the 90s core knowledge all this great content that nobody in school was doing. And now it's starting to become a thing, thank goodness. But back then, mm -hmm. no. And so I put them in a disadvantaged area where they got a much better education, but they mm -hmm. could read also. I mean, you know, I wouldn't let my youngest <laughs> after my middle daughter that I taught to read. My youngest wasn't getting anywhere near a school until I taught her to read. So the trauma of this is the, is the suffering. And it's not just the suffering of kids. It's the suffering of teachers because they don't know. They bought into the big lie, too, that they paid all this money in college to learn how to teach reading, and they didn't. You know, and it's also the suffering of parents and everybody. So the suffering to me is really the greatest thing, you know, and then so the invisible crisis hiding in plain sight. That's the subtitle of this documentary. That is the key. This is a crisis. And we got to get our heads out of the sand and look at what this is doing to the human beings who are impacted by it. So I get a little emotional and a little bit feisty <laughs> about it because it's like, come on, you guys, let's go. Let's it's go. Let's stop this. Not only uh, an emergency, it's an urgency. And I'm hoping that this documentary will 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 preach that and teach that. We, we also have some challenges in this uh, uh, in terms of ruffling people's feathers. And you can only ruffle people's feathers to a certain point before they'll turn you off. But mm, when you were talking that's about a good those, point. <laughs> they the the uh, the term we're going to. We're going to be telling the truth. Are we going to be telling the truth about uh, how? To me, this is my this is my own personal how um, how uh, harmful it is to label a human being learning disabled. I don't know any human beings that are really learning disabled. Uh, they're able to learn. We're able to learn. So maybe we ought to really consider not using that legal term anymore. 
We need to come up to, with some scientific language to describe, like John Corkin had a severe auditory discrimination problem. He wasn't learning disabled. He learned his timetables on timing. He knew how to count money and, and make change before he went to school. Uh, uh, and, and I think that it's really time to really, and I know people have degrees in learning disability, uh, uh, so it's going to be a hard sell for me to get them to, to change that. And, and I don't want to be the, a sheriff uh, or a word, a word police or anything like this. I thought this way before we, the canceled society uh, program started today. I, I thought about this 25 years ago. I, I, fortunately, I went to school. And a lot of times after I learned to read, people said, were you learning disabled? Well, I was never, uh, you know, I never let anybody tell me I was dumb or labeled this uh, learning disabled in the playground. So nobody really, none of my, my classmates said it more than one time. Uh, so, uh, you know, I had that experience and, and they said, oh, were you dyslexic? And I said, well, the term dyslexic, I, look, I looked that up and uh, I was illiterate. I couldn't read or write. Uh, being dyslexic, didn't mean anything to me. Uh, I know there's a, a, a definition that I can, I, I can agree with. Uh, and I think it says uh, people that struggle with uh, the uh, oral and written language. That's me. I definitely struggled with it. But uh, for me to say, yeah, I was dyslexic. Other people explaining that's why I didn't learn to read. No, I didn't learn to read because I was illiterate and nobody taught me how to read. And and uh, we've only started talking about teaching dyslexics to read in the last 25 years. There's still people that say we can't teach uh, dyslexic to read. Well, that's not true. And, and I'm hoping some nice, polite way. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and also for the term, I, I really I would really like us to the, the community. I know it's a legal term, but it's a catch all term. Uh, learning disabled, always, always learning disabled. It's an excuse not to produce from my, my, from my perspective. Uh, you know, if I can jump in there, John, and yeah. say, whatever we label them, we can label them dyslexic or learning disabled or ADHD or whatever, LD, all kinds of Ds in them. It doesn't matter. The problem is the same. They haven't learned how to read. So the solution is the same. Teach them I how to read. I, Boom. I have, a, I have a, um, a difficulty with my oral language, and you just did a better job of explaining what I was trying to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to comment on that uh, little girl uh, that my daughter just worked with for two hours. Uh, I thought at the end of the day when she uh, was, uh, my, my daughter called me and told me she was, that was a high for the day. You know, she had this little girl uh, and uh, that was, uh, that kept saying during the course of, why didn't they tell me this? Why didn't they tell me? She's 10 years old saying the same thing that teachers are saying when they get their proper instruction. Uh, I mean, I've heard this so many times, but it's so, it was really amazing to me. This little girl said, why didn't they tell me this? Uh, and obviously she didn't have any issues. She just didn't have any instruction. And she, she was, lived in LA and she didn't go to school last year. Uh, and that was a critical year that she missed, too. Uh, and I think that's that's another opportunity that we have right now that uh, people are and parents are seeing firsthand. And and I think this last year of kids being out of school 
and uh, missing missing this uh, this instruction is going to be a call. I think we're. That's why I feel like we're. It, this is timely. What we're doing here. Yeah. Uh, you guys there's... have like given me goosebumps. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Lori and I are always saying like, why are more people talking about this? It's just really exciting to have more people talking about it. <laughs> yeah. There's such a need for systemic change and you know, as we're all working toward that. Um, one of the things that Natalie Wexler said when we interviewed her is um, that parents are the sleeping giants. And so what I'm really hopeful that this documentary will do is not only reach educators, but also reach parents. Because I think the more that we can get parents on our side, like I'm imagining parents watching this documentary and thinking, Oh my gosh, this is, this is the problem that I've been having with my child. I, you know, and I always like, I always think about it in terms of like, you know, um, Nick, you mentioned you had three children. So if 34% of our population is reading quote, their readers and, um, you know, people, Nora, I agree with you. People do say like, well, yay, we got to 50% or, oh my gosh, the numbers are going up. The data is increasing. Okay, so so we get to 40% maybe or whatever it might be. Nick, look at look at your three kids and which one are you which one would you vote for as being the reader? Knowing yeah. you know, I mean, that is to me it's insane. Like a, a, no teacher, a, 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 like you said, Nick, everyone has great intentions, right? And we we're not blaming anyone. And I Melissa and I love teachers. Like that's why we we did this podcast. Like there no teacher is looking at his or her class and thinking, you know what, this, this like group of 10, they're awesome to, to move on to fourth grade as readers, but these other 12 kids, they're not going to go as readers. Like every teacher wants every single student to leave as a, a reader, a writer, a thinker, a critical thinker. Um, and I think that that, that's just, it, it's so paramount to, like this documentary is so paramount to all of that. And yeah, I, I, like, I'm almost curious to ask you, Nick, like what has, as an, as like an outsider, if you will, what has struck you the most as you've been learning about all of this and working on this documentary? You know, what struck me the most is that, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty, I'm more or less know what's going on in the world. And I had no idea this was a thing. Like it just <laughs> didn't seem like that was even possible. Like, it, I mean, I could understand that there's outliers in any scenario. Like, you know, there's a small percentage of people across the globe that you could probably, anything could happen to, or could have any sort of disorder or disease or, and this is like 50 plus percent, probably more like 60% of people. And it's like, wait, what? And, and I think one of the things that uh, the term that really got me to sort of get it, I think at first was subliteracy, you know, the idea of it's, you know, it's like food insecurity. Like I, that made more sense to me than trying to tell me that there's someone who never has any food ever in life. Like it doesn't make sense, but the fact that there could be kids that could go and adults that could go home from a job or from school for the weekend and maybe have one square meal instead of the six they're supposed to. Oh, I could see that being possible. And so just starting to process and understand that and the most eye-opening thing is that this is actually a problem because I would never have guessed that. I think uh, I would add Nick is a sleeping giant. 
Yeah. That, that's the, you made that statement. That's what I'm watching the evolution. And we're fortunate that he has, uh, I don't know, how many Emmys do you have in your work? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't like to be objectified. I'm not just a number, John, but it's 22. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I'm speaking to the audience. Is <laughs> no, no, We are so fortunate to have, we know we have, I mean, we, we all love literacy and we love teachers and we know they're the people that need to be, to have the tools that they need. And we believe they're not getting them. And they, most of them will confess to that privately. Uh, maybe not publicly, but they do. And I've heard, I've heard it on your show. I heard, I heard, I've heard your stories, both of you. You know, your evolution is coming from the classroom and say, I didn't know, I didn't get it. And, uh, and that, just like that little girl, why didn't they teach me? You know, why didn't they yeah. teach me before? But uh, we're, uh, we're, we're, we have, literacy is a story uh, and proper instruction is a story. And we have a fantastic storyteller to tell it. And, uh, and we have, a, we will, we're looking for, we're asking for uh, the question that we ask these people that we reach out to for interviews is say, what, what do you think needs to be said? What do we, what do you, so we're, we're doing that as much as we can. And of course we have the chance and then we're going to hand it over to, we're going to have hand all these interviews over to Nick and say, okay, do your magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think another thing too, and that John touches on um, with, and all of us with our talking for 25 years, I've been in this and my background is actually in nursing and it was my daughter that brought me into this, her struggles, but We've admired the problem. I mean, I have been through so much admiring the problem. This problem has been admired from every angle that can ever be admired from and talked about and debated and discussed. And, and I think enough admiring. Let's move to action and what's the solution and what can we actually do? Instead of let's talk about it, what can we actually do? And I see this documentary and Nick and his brilliance, and I think it's 23 Emmys, by the way, from what I've read anyway, um, that he's won. Uh, and his work is brilliant, by the way, uh, of course. But what, you know, what can be done? What can, you know, this is, I see this not just as a documentary and even we've had these discussions. Nick, I think this maybe should be a series. He has a series on, on Amazon Prime too. I'm like, how, how about that? Let's do a series. Um, do because it. it's that. I like, I like that you're just leveling it up, Nora. You're like, you know, <laughs> what's not enough? Why We're going to give Nick, Nick, you could work on this till the end of your career. Yeah. I don't know how old you are. Another 50 we years, can give you that's enough all work. we're asking. Come on, get on board here. Which he is. It, we, I mean, and his brilliance is beyond. But what are we actually going to do? You know, instead of I like it this way and you like it that way and I'm right and you're right. wrong and, and going on and on, like you were saying too on the Facebook pages too, Melissa, we, it's sometimes I just have to take a huge break from that. Like, wow, are we talking about students in here anywhere? Anybody seen anything about, oh, and my students did this and went that far. No, we're talking about I'm right and you're wrong. You're right. And I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah. I but, like this. I like doing it this way. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. what I like. And so you better, you know, so, so the solution piece and the action piece, what do we do? You know, what can we do and how can we make true change instead of some more admiring, I think is important. Yeah. So we're actually going to ask you all <laughs> as we wrap up today, um, what can we do? So if you could leave our listeners with a piece of advice, which might be about your documentary, I don't know, <laughs> but whatever, whatever advice you want to leave for our listeners about what, what can we do? I'd like to add a footnote to uh, the story that we've been telling about the little girl that uh, said, why didn't they tell me? When her aunt came to pick her up, 
she was in tears uh, and hugged, was hugging her aunt who delivered it to the, to the lessons. And I know this story is a story that a lot of teachers, millions of teachers, that's their story. They see that. They witness that all the time. Uh, and uh, and uh, I guess that we really, we talk a lot about teachers, but like Nora said, the students. And, and uh, we need to love our children more. That's what we need to do as a country. And prepare them for a better life yeah. with the ability to read and write and spell. It changes lives. It's, it saves lives. Uh, when I was interviewed by Oprah, she asked me, what's the difference between you knowing how to read and, and not knowing how to read? And, and, uh, and I never had that question an asked, and I don't know where my answer came from, but I've been repeating it because it's, it's, uh, it's uh, not even my voice. It's like it, 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 uh, it, it's my soul. It changed me. It, it, uh, it's like having a soul, feeling the soul. And America has a, it filled a big hole in my soul. That's what it did. And I think we can fill America's, a big hole in America's soul too, by imparting these, these skills and, uh, and improving the, the education for our teachers that have the heart. They have the heart. They have the art. They, they need the science. There is a science. Yeah. And we're ready to give it to them. We're ready to deliver it to them. Not, not me personally. I, I get people that know things. I've always been <laughs> smart enough to recognize other people's skills. Uh, and <laughs> that's, that's uh, but anyway, it's, 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 it's huge. It's, it's huge. It's huge. And urgent. Yeah. Nora or Nick, anything to add to that? I'm going to say my to-do would be two things. One is ask yourself a simple question, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you're an adult learner or whatever, what do I need to do differently? If you are not a highly proficient reader and writer and speller, or if your students or your own children are not highly proficient readers, writers, and spellers, which I'm saying 95 to 100% of them, um, that's a great question to ask because you do need to do something differently. It's not, we can't put a label or a blame or a anything there, what, what can we do? Because that's the only thing we can control. That's the first thing. And the second thing is going to lead into what Nick's going to tell you about how to contact us and do this is to donate. Donate to this documentary. Donate and help be part of the solution and, and you know, the doing. Those are my two things. Yeah. Uh, I'll say that, number one, if you are, if you or someone you know is struggling with reading, um, know that it's not your fault. And there is a solution. Like I think the most important thing, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how hard it is for you. Like literally there is a solution. Don't stop until you find it. I think beyond that, it also makes me think on another level, if you're experiencing that in any part of your life where things are really irregular for you and it seems so different for everybody else, just know there are solutions and you should be asking those questions and there 
is someone out there that can help you. So I'd say that. Um, and then of course I would say, uh, go to the truth about reading.com, help us out, help us share this story. Um, the world desperately needs it. At least 50% of the American population needs it. And I'm sure even more than that, you know, across the globe. Uh, and I think there's just a, there's a big message of hope in this for whatever anyone is going through. But I think, you know, in this, we're certainly focused on reading and there are solutions. Um, and, you know, look, even if maybe you could have worked a little bit harder at it as a kid, like just let's get rid of the blame. Like you are where you are, you know, let's, let's call it like an umpire. I can either read it or I can't, if I can't, what do I need to do about it? Let's take the emotion out of it. And let's just, let's just start finding solutions. And I think, I would, you know, I, we've done this a lot in the doc and I, um, to teachers, like, don't take this as um, this is not a, a blame on you. This is something that, you know, I, I would invite you to the conversation as opposed to shoving it away going, all these people talking about this stuff is just not true. Like, I think we can all look at the numbers and say they're not good enough. We could all do that. Like if any, if you had to choose one out of two kids to read, you wouldn't do it. I know as a teacher, your heart isn't there. So instead of writing off this conversation, maybe start asking some different questions because there's objectively, there's very clearly a conversation to be had and you can be part of the solution. And I think that too, to, to add on to that with Nick's, is how do we unite? How do we unite and tackle this together instead of continuing to yes. you know butt heads and, and divide? So that's a great question we could all ask ourselves. You know, instead of putting blame or instead of you know defending when we don't have our kids ninety five or one hundred percent, how do we you know use this whole you know um, network of people who are doing great things and helping move move the needle? And how do we we get together and and make all of our voices? increase our awareness, increase our, our um, education of it in, in all, and, um, and then work together. Grow, grow, grow our community too. Uh, we, need, we need more soldiers. And, um, and I also wanna, I also wanna say, teaching a child to read. <laughs> teaching yes. a child to read is an act of love. It sure is. All right. Well, John, we are going to let you have the last word on okay. that one. Okay. I, I, I like I, that. I, I, I thought that was my last word, but I, I oh, have, no, I liked that. That's what I was going to say. That is the last word. I love it. We, we do. We do need to inspire one another and support one another and critique one another. Mm -hmm. And uh, you two ladies have done a fantastic job with your podcasts of doing that. Uh, and I've listened to a few of the ones that uh, Nora told me. These are the top <laughs> ones to look at. I, I know she's looking at, but thank you. <laughs> thank you, too, for inviting us thank you. and for yeah. inspiring me. We cannot wait to watch this documentary. <laughs> We're so excited and we will be sharing it widely with our audience and Yep. Um, and we'll link everything to you all again, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, we'll link everything in so that people can donate and uh, we'll share as much information as we possibly can with our audience. So thank you all so much for being here. We are so grateful for each of you for sharing your stories. And Nick, thanks for being a part of it. Um, you know, even though literacy is not your bread and butter, you've got now other things to bring to the party <laughs> and now you're getting, you're getting schooled. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you to, to everyone. Have a yeah. wonderful day. You too. It's been an honor. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Bye.